Life is not safe. Shit happens. Deal with it. Welcome to episode number 30 of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where no baseball is being played around here. But, you know, a lot of people are still shooting. And from America's left coast, where on the roads, we may not be getting where we're going, but we're at least driving each other up the wall. I'm Ryan Pemrose. (laughs) Hey, well, you got to be doing that. You got to be doing something on those roads. And the one in front of our house is almost done now. It's really the technology that they have for doing the construction now is fairly amazing from, I remember seeing this when I was like a kid. Now there's just like these big machines that like you would just peel something like saran wrap off of something. There's just a big machine that goes down the street and tears it up and puts it into a semi and then semi after semi. I wonder, I would like to know how many trucks were involved in this because they were filling up a semi probably like every couple hundred feet and then a new one would come and they'd fill that up and that would go and they go dump that somewhere. Uh, so at least it's been a, uh, uh, actually they oh. just recycle it. They, they pick it up off of your street and they put it down on another street a few blocks away. Well, that makes sense. Then they could just make it look like it's new to them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. It's, I mean, they haven't driven it on every day and I mean the, the potholes are going to be the same regardless. Uh, I actually have a hypothesis that the constant construction is is really just a test case for uh, auto navigation software. When uh, you know, whenever your GPS routes you somewhere, it's like, hey, let's see if these motherfuckers can figure out how to get where they're going when their GPS runs them right through our construction zone. Well, or when your GPS puts you right into a river, which happened again the other day. But we're going to talk about this once we get into the show because this is a big part of what we're talking about today in automotive. Tech. I mean, this originally came out under the thought of doing a show on electric vehicles. And we we're like, okay, but there's a lot more to going on with vehicles. You have your pros and cons with the electric vehicles, but there's a lot of other things now going on with technology regarding vehicles, like the self driving stuff, like you said, GPS that everybody's relying on, and so on down the line. But we'll get to that. I did want to uh, do the donation segment here right up front for a couple of reasons. One, we got another donor that is doing the monthly thing, which is really cool. And we also got somebody that this is like the first big letter we've ever gotten to grumpy old Ben's from a listener. We we got what what John C. Dvorak would refer to as war and peace. Yes, which is he he said it was Tolstoy. Yes, oh, yes, he did. <laughs> the so we wanted to thank uh, Keith Van Dyke for his uh, donation and Sir Dude named Ben Anonymous, and he was the one that wrote Tolstoy, and it was great because it was a nice long letter. Showed he's been listening to the shows, this one and Random Thoughts, and the gist of this long letter was we're full of crap on a lot of things, and I can't argue yeah. that. I, you know, I, I have, I have spent a good chunk of my life living in fear that somebody would discover that I'm a fraud who makes everything up as I go along. 
And I got to tell you that thanks to the mainstream media of the last half decade or so, um, I realized that that doesn't matter in the least. You just have to be entertaining and tell a narrative that is full of emotion and plausible sounding bullshit and people will eat it up. It doesn't really matter if you're right. So uh, thank you for fact checking us, Sir Benonymous, uh, Sir Dude Named Benonymous. And uh, I, I look forward to more of your fact checking. But, uh, well, me being me, uh, hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm probably going to get more wrong on this episode. Uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, uh, Mr. Keith Van Dyke, for the generous contribution. We absolutely appreciate it. It's, it's one of the things that keeps us going here. Yeah, there was some good information in the letter from Sir Ben Anonymous. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's, that's one that Dvorak always messes that one up too. Sir Dude named Ben Anonymous uh, about cryptocurrency. And he was absolutely right that we should have had the QR code up on the website. He sent us 20 bucks via Bitcoin. And that was really a cool thing to do. Even though he said, I just sent you $20, your public address. You don't deserve it, obviously, but you need a little to play around with to buy yourself a clue. I love letters like that. I do because he's absolutely right. I, we don't play around a whole lot with cryptocurrencies. We're just kind of scraping the, uh, the top to know how these things work and trying to figure out why they even have a value at all. But he was right. We should have had the QR code. So he, he sent the QR code along with it. I verified that it was actually our address and not his. Not that I don't trust our producers here, but that's something Bemrose might do. Here, put this QR code on your site. It'll save everybody a lot of time. That would, and then instead of going to those people. That is pretty people, clever. That is, I wish I'd thought of it. <laughs> it'd be like, thank you. Thank you very much. Why aren't we getting any donations? I don't know. But I posted on the website. So we appreciate that. And, um, we do need to look into crypto a little bit more and, and figure a lot of different things out and get a, a true expert on. We talked with uh, Brendan Kidwell a lot about cryptography, but we really didn't go into a deep dive on the cryptocurrencies. And we probably need somebody that can uh, point us in the well, right direction. And I know he tells me, you know, get rid of the Coinbase account, which is just a simple, easy way to buy bitcoin and do some simple it's, transactions uh, coinbase I know I could do is, that is, myself coinbase is cryptocurrency casual mode right <clears throat> and you know the the dark secret about crypto in general cryptocurrency is uh you know the, that this this letter clearly pointed out that that we are not fully versed in crypto but the dark secret about it is that almost nobody else is either uh, it is incredibly complicated. It changes incredibly fast. And the vast majority of people talking about it that you're going to see don't actually understand what's going on. So, uh, you know, we try our best. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to dedicate my life to this, I'm still not sure I could understand all of it. But that's not what today's episode is about. No, it's not. But the one thing I want to put out there that he also had in the letter before we move on to today's is about the private hosting of email and i want to just put this out there for all of our listeners if anybody else has used this thing i'd like to know what you think about it uh, but he mentioned that he is using the helm device h-e-l-m and this is something that i know adam had mentioned which is where he said he had heard about it um the reason i remember not jumping to it at the time was that leo laporte talked about it and that was kind of i thought if leo thought it was a good idea it would probably wasn't uh, but obviously, 
this seems to be, if this is something again that Sir Do Name Benonymous thinks is a good thing, it probably is. I just want to, you know, other people that have used this. I remember looking at it when Adam first talked about it. And I think at that point, it was still, you could only use it with one custom domain name. So that means, you know, I've got my, well, a bunch of different domain names. I have Darren O'Neill, I have Grumpy Old Benz, I have Random Thoughts. And if it was a box that could just do email for one of those, wasn't really worth it. And it's a box that costs 500 bucks. And, and then after the first year, the first year is included with your purchase price. After that, it's 99 bucks a year for this to continue to work because of the fact that you have Comcast and all the other ISPs that you're dealing with as far as from a personal accounts. They don't want all of those normal ports being used for email to work. So they block all those ports. So to get this to work, it's a $99 a year thing. But with that said, it seems like it's a pretty decent little device. And the fact is, you can do all of your own multiple domains now. You can host it all yourself. You can do your own calendar. It can sync files now. And they're also coming out with shortly their own version of a password manager, which would be great because I'm already paying money on a family plan to RoboForm, which I think the family plan is like 40 or 50 bucks a year for the passwords for multiple people. This would allow you to do that as part of that 100 bucks a year thing. So anybody that has experience with this Helm thing, if anybody wants to chime in why it's good, why it's bad, feel free to reach out to us, Darren at GrumpyOldBenz.com and let me know. Because everything when I was looking into saying I want to get away from Gmail and I still want to do that, it's a pain in the ass. I get it. But the one thing that Void Zero, Mark Van Dyke, and you, Sir Bemrose, told me was, well, nobody wants to host their own email. So well, it maybe is this pain. device will let you do that. Uh, I, I, I got to admit before this email, I'd not heard of the device, uh, but uh, it, it sounds interesting. And uh, if we've got all of our ad reads out of the way now. Uh, should we do the show? It's not an ad because I just said, maybe it sucks. Maybe I that don't was, want to use it. I want information totally, you, on you this totally product. totally just sounded like an ad read. It was awesome. We should be getting paid for this. <laughs> Why are we not getting paid for this? I don't think you understand what if ads are. If they're charging are. $500 up front and $99 a year, then they'd better be paying us for their ads. <laughs> I mean, the one question that was on their, on their website, which was the first question I wanted to know was, what if you go bankrupt? What happens to this little device? And they said, well, we'll put all this stuff out there, open source it so people can continue yeah, using the device. I don't know if I believe that, that which again is kind of a, it's a very knee jerk thing to me when you're like, well, maybe, yeah. but again, if, the experts if we that go I bankrupt, said, yeah. don't host your own email. It, it's not, it's not very good marketing to put up on your website. Yeah. If we go bankrupt, we're going to be too busy running around with our hair on fire to give a fuck about you. So you'll pretty much be screwed. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. But yes, let's move in to the topic of the day. This was one that was on your recommendation. I guess we want to break this up into a few different parts. I guess we want to go with one, the electric vehicle concept. And then we probably also want to talk about GPS self-driving, but there, we probably can compartmentalize these a little bit and just start with the electric cars. Uh, that works. The, the idea that I had was uh, that there's, you know, one of the huge topics in tech news these days is 
uh, is cars, uh, cars plus technology. And the two main things you see are electric cars or self-driving cars. Uh, and I thought, eh, let's, let's do a, let's do a show on, uh, cars in grumpy old Benz, because frankly, every time you read a tech article, it's glowing and beaming and showing how awesome these new products are. And that's not what we do here. Also, <laughs> hopefully it'll be a little bit of a short show because we need to give people a break after the, the two and a half hour Larry fest last week. Well, yeah, it was closing in on three hours, but as somebody posted on no agenda, social grumpy old Benz is great. But when you add Larry, it's magical. So you add Larry to any podcast, it, be, it was, goes from good or great to magical. It was an amazing conversation that uh, I, I don't need to repeat. My bladder can't handle that. But <laughs> the, well, there's yeah, yeah, there's pros and cons with this electric car stuff. And there are people that are buying electric cars. I know our buddy Jay Finley has one on order because the fact is electric cars torque out of this world on some of these machines. Uh, but a lot of people, the the thing that I have a problem with when it comes to electric cars are people putting it out there like the electric cars are somehow going to save the planet, this going into the whole climate change thing, this going into the concept that somehow electricity is better, except for the fact that it comes with a lot of issues that nobody wants to talk about, including right now, most electricity is coming from coal-fired plants, I believe, in the United States. And they don't want to talk about things like what's going on right now in California. Well, I, I think I think just like you, uh, you know, the technology, while nascent, is still pretty fascinating and can clearly lead to some pretty awesome results. And I don't have an issue with the existence of the technology, although some of the implementations could use some work. Uh, but I think like you, uh, the real issue is is the hype. Yes, because people are being sold this and there's, you know, there's a lot of things that if you use your vehicle in a very specific way and you want to limit yourself in a very specific way, they're fine. Being that if your vehicle only takes you back and forth to work and you never want to take it, say, on a road trip or something like that, you could probably get away with it and be fine. People just don't think about things like, you know, if you run your car completely out of gas, you can pull into a gas station. And within a couple of minutes, be fully gassed up and ready to drive another five, 600 miles, whatever your car's tank maybe can handle, maybe a little less than that now. With an electric car, what happens when you run that thing totally out? Um, you get a tow to the nearest supercharger station, obviously. <laughs> uh, you, you, you said that it only works in a certain, like if, if you only commute. And uh, you just got me thinking um, that that also assumes that, you know, with some of these cars only have a range of what do they say a hundred miles or something uh there are a lot of commutes especially in places like the left coast or other traffic choke cities where uh your commute might be longer than that and you might not be able to get home or to work and back in a single charge which you know people have this almost a fear and an anxiety and it's getting a little better because batteries are getting better but in cell phones people have that anxiety like their phone's gonna die Imagine the anxiety sitting in a traffic jam thinking, uh, I, I, am I going to make this? Am I well, going to make it home? Or I, I got to admit, I, and I, I might be unique. I might be unusual in this in that I grew up in a time when we didn't all depend on cell phones for regulating our heartbeats and breathing. But 
if my cell phone dies, I can usually still make it home and plug it in and, and get away without any particular emotional scarring. Um, that's a little more difficult to get home and safe when your transportation dies. Yeah. And depending where that is, you know, and what happens, uh, on an expressway, I, I don't know exactly, you know, how much warning you get or how many people, you know, I think of that Seinfeld episode where Kramer and the guy from the, uh, from the car dealership just want to keep seeing how far below E they can get, you know, somebody will do that with the electric cars too. I can make it, I can make it home. No I, I'm problem. sure people already have. In fact, the shoulders of the highways are littered by people who decided to see just how far they could push that fuel tank or the battery. So I get, I get the right. They, well, and that's the other thing. Batteries. And again, I know the technology evolves pretty quickly and they've probably gotten a little bit better already, but at the very beginning and still these batteries are not the most stable things if you're involved in say a wreck which happens a lot with cars you know this is another thing people don't think about is what happens to those batteries when you get into an accident and uh they explode and these things in these i mean let's yeah. just it, it lithium ion batteries and and you can you can see this on a smaller scale with a cell phone if you drop it particularly hard uh if if you manage to puncture the battery case then your phone will first it will start to swell it will turn into a little balloon it will often crack the the uh, iphone case or a glass uh you know not that most apple users would notice because considering the first time you look at that that breaks the iphone glass so most people have cracked screens anyway but when after the battery's been punctured first it starts to swell and that's the point where basically like you've pulled the pin you need to get rid of that thing because now it's not a phone anymore <laughs> it's a grenade because uh, when when that thing finally leaks, it's going to start spraying this lithium ion gas out into the atmosphere that immediately combusts, turns to oxygen, becomes this giant fire that cannot be put out short of any kind of chemical. And you just have to leave the thing, hopefully, in a place where you're not going to set fire. And I, I mean, if, if you haven't had this experience yourself, and thankfully I haven't, uh, but I do have access to YouTube or uh I'm sorry, the, the replacement YouTubes like Invidious where you don't have to log into Google uh, and just go watch videos of phone fires. It is amazing how hot and violently these things burn. And the reason I mentioned phone fires is because that same battery technology is in your electric car. Uh, and the, you know, the Tesla had a couple of well-publicized uh, in incidents early on where uh, they ran over something on the road and it popped up at just the right angle and punctured the battery. And, and when that happens, you'd better just get out of your car because not even, you know, the fire departments are not equipped to put that fire out. It's just going to burn until the car is nothing but cinders and all of your lithium goo is expired. And of course, well, yeah. And with these cars, a lot of these batteries are for underneath. <laughs> yeah. These batteries are underneath the cockpit. I mean, they're right underneath where you're sitting. It's not like, well, You're where thinking, else oh, are you well, going to put them? You put them in the, in the roof, back. get a top-heavy car. It makes sense <laughs> from a design perspective. Uh, you know, it, at least in those early models, the solution for Tesla was to retrofit the cars with uh, a giant heavy metal plate underneath that deflects objects, which works and protects the battery. But now you've added a lot of weight to your car. Yeah, but like you said, if you hit something at the right angle, I remember going to uh, when I was in high school. So going back into the late '80s, driving a big Oldsmobile made out of steel big vehicle i don't remember what on the road that i ran over 
but it actually jumped up and hit the driver's side door, put a hole in the driver's side door. And these big metal vehicles, these weren't fiberglass or anything like that. These were made out of American steel, baby, uh, which tells you that if that was an electric car and that had gone through and there was a battery right in that little compartment, uh, bad things were yeah, probably going to happen. A rudimentary so. understanding of physics will tell you that uh, with the amount of weight moving at the amount of speeds that you get on the normal highway, um, you can do some incredibly violent things, especially when you're driving around sitting on top of a bomb. Uh, Blitz in the chat room also just pointed <laughs> out something important, which is that uh, they have cobalt, which means that when they burn, you're throwing uh, that fun stuff into the atmosphere as well. They have, you know, the uh, a gasoline engine. Some of the craziest stuff you're going to get is is, uh, you know, partially burned hydrocarbons and soot and and maybe some, you know, weird metal thing. But you don't get the rare earth and exotic stuff that you have in the electric cars, which is is one of the things that electric cars, uh, you know, the the manufacturer of them is. Uh, I, I mean, I guess technology moves forward, but the manufacturer is a whole lot more complicated in terms of just having to get access to the materials. Well, when it comes to electric cars too, are they really at this point anyway, better for the environment or is that just another big scam again, because of the fact that most electricity is coming from places like coal plants, which isn't any better when you, you again, maybe use air quotes for the planet than gasoline engines. It's a scam. Or am I missing something there? <laughs> It is. Okay, so if if you if you subscribe to the peak oil theory, which I think has fallen out of favor, uh then the earth only has so much petroleum and by using petroleum vehicles, we are charging headfirst into the end of oil. I I'm not convinced that peak oil I, like I said, it's fallen out of favor and I haven't heard much about it lately, so it's right. very possible that oil is renewing itself or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I think it, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I do know that there's a lot of oil out there um, at some point. Well, yeah, but my guess, yeah. you want to know why my guess is that guess. was just the early, that was just the early way of trying to get this uh, one world order, this whole UN climate change, all this, that was the early way of doing this was, oh, we're running out of this resource. They tried that. And you know what everybody said? Because they couldn't, they couldn't lie and say, we're running out in like days or weeks because there was still enough stuff there. Well, there's a so lot of oil that, in the earth, like a lot. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the numbers that were thrown around were like, well, we're only going to have enough oil to go. I think it was like a hundred or 150 more years. And everybody that was alive at the time went, well, fuck, why am I worried about that? Yeah. And two, we've all watched technology and proving to the fact that it's like, well, why should we even worry? Because in a hundred or 150 years, they'll have figured it out. Well, that, so that is true. You're right. I, that's a scam. Humans are incredibly adaptable. and uh, you know, I, I, it is folly to think that, uh, that oil is renewable the same way that say trees are. Although, uh, we recently had some people pushing for, uh, everybody's, what was it? Story I read yesterday. Everybody stop using toilet paper because yes. you're, you're wasting trees. Like they fucking grow like trees. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, it also brought me to Seinfeld. Can you spare a square? <laughs> You know, I, I had a friend who uh, he he's he always said, uh, you know, he was very frugal with it. He said, uh, I use toilet paper like an army mess hall. I get three squares a day. But anyway, <laughs> oil is uh, it, it. I 
I do have trouble wrapping my head around the idea that oil is completely renewable. So at some point, yeah, if we keep going at our current level of technology, at some point there, I think there is a good chance we'd run out. But here's the thing. Humans are really adaptable. Humans always come up with new technologies and new things. And before we completely run out, we're going to come up with a new technology that gets us off of oil dependence. And for that, you know, electric vehicles are a new technology. They are the new thing or a new thing that it, it is. It is in its very, very early years. And there's a lot of problems with electric tech as it is right now. But I, I just, you know, before we go off too far into completely tearing down electric vehicles, because I think you've got a lot and I think I've got a lot. Um, let's just I just want to point out that I am a fan of the, of the existence of the technology. I'm glad people are working on it. Uh, because we need to improve that. Now, that said, are they more environmental today than gas cars? No, not really. Uh, you know, it, let it, what, before we even get into the manufacture of them, where does that power come from? Um, you know, in, in terms of environmentalism, I happen to be lucky on the left coast where most of my power comes from hydroelectric. Most places aren't like that, though. Most places, your power still comes from coal and natural gas, especially where you have some misguided jerk off running your city who's like, we need to get <laughs> off fossil fuels. And then they commission 100% of their power grid from wind and solar, which, by the way, will fail when the sun isn't shining, which is more than half the day these days, or when the wind isn't blowing. And so there's no power coming in and people still need power. So what do you do? You launch up the backup natural gas plants because those can be turned on and off in a pinch. That's what everybody uses. So anybody who says they're supplying your grid with green power from wind and solar, just know that 50% of the time you're getting it from natural gas because the wind and solar cut out and don't provide constant power. And there's no big batteries for that shit. There'd be a lot of batteries, a whole lot of batteries. And I mean, the solar tech is getting there but i remember seeing something about a year ago as far as where solar made sense as far as being cost efficient and it was pretty much you had to be within a, a very small amount of miles from the equator otherwise no it's not going to work up here in chicago up where you are on the left coast up in washington not but, enough sun yet they, to make well, it worthwhile. And, now, and the even solar worse, panels can generate more. Not only am I really that, far north, uh, our our local PUD uh, is has recently started a public private partnership to get more people to install solar panels on their roof. We're in Western Washington. Not only are we in the northern, we're north of the forty five. <laughs> we are far enough north that half the year there's not enough sunlight to light a fucking room let alone a solar panel but then let's go ahead and compound that with the fact that it fucking rains all the time it's always cloudy you get like six days of sunlight in seattle you're not providing enough power in six days of sunlight you know you might recoup your cost in solar generation for installing one of these things in about 75 to 100 years Although you mean I can't just take a solar panel and put it on top of my car and drive forever? Well, that depends on where you park. <laughs> if you always park out in the sun and you only drive a half hour a day, it's feasible. Now that would be a vehicle. Or if you're driving while it's sunny, shouldn't it just keep recharging itself? Well, you'd like to think, but again, basic physics, <laughs> the amount of energy coming from the sun does not outmatch the amount of energy necessary to move that giant chunk of metal and plastic and your fat ass up to freeway speed and down over and over again. 
Yeah, just to give you a little idea, I have a uh, about two years ago when doing all the Amazon reviews, somebody sent me a solar panel to review and you open this thing up and it was probably when open maybe about six feet long by maybe, you know, a foot or two, not probably maybe uh, 12 to 18 inches wide. And you'd open this thing up and you could stick it in a window, which I did, and uh, it can charge your phone. But nowhere near as char, nowhere near as fast as plugging that into the uh, you know into the normal oh, power yeah. outlet. Would it work? Yes, but it shows you the efficiency or lack thereof when it comes down to this technology. Yeah, I'm sure. Could it get better? Yes. Right now, it's not to where really big solar panels are not going to be enough to give you enough power to do your whole house. Certainly not enough to run a vehicle now if you ever get to that point where the solar panels are that efficient then yes we have the utopia where you can drive all the time and never have to gas up or never have to recharge but oh, no I no think we that's can't be a while because you it's not physically possible to pass 100 percent efficiency and that's what you need in order to you know the the surface area of your car is not enough to collect enough solar power uh in to keep your car going indefinitely uh, Do we need bigger cars? No, what we need is a bigger sun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll work on that. I had, I had, a, I, I just read something that totally made me laugh out loud. I had to mute myself while you were talking. Uh, the in the chat or in the troll room, uh, they are continuing to talk about whether or not uh, petroleum is a renewable resource, and uh, Sir Matthew wins the conversation with his conversation or with his line says, "Earth is a dinosaur juicer." Yeah, they're in there. So, you know, dinosaurs are real. And always, we're, when we're doing these shows live on the No Agenda stream, you can get in on the fun in the chat room at noagendastream.com. So, what about the manufacture of these cars? Is, uh, what, <laughs> what, what environmental possible problem could there be with that? Well, there's all sorts of problems when you're dealing with the chemicals that have to go into these batteries. I mean, there's a certain amount of the cars that are parts of the cars that are the same. I mean, the seats you're sitting on, dashboard, all that is more or less going to be the same as what you're getting in a gas-powered vehicle. Where you're really finding the difference comes in the fact that the motors are powered by electricity instead. So you're dealing with the chemicals of the battery. That's the main difference, right? Well, that that is a big part. Uh, you know, the other part that, that comes in, although this is creeping into gas cars too, is uh, the number of computers necessary. Um, it, it's non-trivial. I mean, you're, it used to be that you were driving a combustion engine with some gears and linkages. And nowadays um, you don't have particular access to the combustion engine. Um, I don't think we've quite gone to completely to fly by wire in gas cars yet, but uh, that's what you're doing in an electric vehicle is all of the controls are, are just a UI that is made to mimic the controls in a gas car. And you just activate some you know you you press on the pedal and it no longer opens up a valve to let more fuel into the engine it sends a signal to the computer that says this person wants to go faster and then the computer determines the way to do that uh that so th these cars are highly highly technological um and that's not a bad thing uh i mean you know technology is is generally making things better um but it does mean that more things can fail in ways that we can't predict, which is really the problem with this being a brand new technology. Right. And this is morphing now from the 
resource used to power them also now into like the self-driving concept because once you start introducing the fly-by-wire concept they're also installing all of these things cameras everywhere like you said sensors computers that are trying to figure out and it's great technology i mean it seems simple when it's like well the camera is looking at the road in front of you and it's seeing things and it can kind of understand when it sees the lines in the road it can understand when you got like the little um you know what do you call them the little deflectors in the road and it's doing a lot of computing power they're they're getting better at recognizing those but if anybody who's had to log into a website anytime in the last five years realizes that uh i think that google recaptcha is actually recognizing images for self-driving cars in real time <laughs> i think i well, you know i'm, I'm surprised interesting. I'm su- you know there's a timer on the page so it's like you know show me which squares contain a stop sign and which squares contain a person pushing a p- baby carriage please answer within the next five seconds that is an interesting thing you know what that you just blew my mind because one i hate these recapture Everybody things hates because it. Everybody hates it except for web developers who think that the solution to solving your spam problem on your website is to sell your soul to Google. Well, and having shitty eyes makes those a real pain in the ass. But now that I think about it, you're right. Almost every one of these recaptures that I've seen are like, show me what are buses yeah. show me well, that's what exactly is the, what it is uh, there you are stoplights that's what those are doing you are training google's self-driving car software that that is so this is it's what, pretty transparent so the accidents are because you go in because you go into rage mode on a recaptcha and well, tell there, all there, the wrong there information are, there are a that's large number of people crashed. who intentionally answer it incorrectly enough <laughs> times i mean most of the time, you know, they'll show the same picture to 35 people. And if one of them gets the ro- a different answer than everyone else, they're like, well, this was probably wrong. But I mean, you do it enough times and you can still get into most websites. And if enough people do that, yeah, you could probably kill somebody on the road somewhere. Nice. What's well, that false sense of security that people have with these self-driving vehicles as well? The last really big uh, story that I remember with the Tesla was people dying i think in a construction zone because i mean again if you're relying on gps on an expressway and then you're relying on reading the lanes if you're if the computer isn't expecting a construction zone i can see that's going to be a really big fault in the way it processes things because what do you do well you know and how does I mean, it there's, know there's what, a lot of things that computer you know that the thing about self-driving cars that a lot of people misunderstand, they're like, oh, I can drive. In fact, I am so good at driving that I can go ahead and, and check my Instagram and take selfies while I'm driving. Uh, you know, fuck you, millennial. I mean, uh, but a lot of people are like, oh, driving is easy. You just look out and you avoid the obstacle. It's not fucking easy, but it's really, really helped by the fact that human beings are, no matter what our technology has done, human beings are still by orders of magnitude, the best pattern matching computers ever on this planet. We are really scarily good at taking an entire array of visual data and instantly matching a bunch of patterns and classifying all of the things that we see. And for a computer, that's hard. That is not an easy problem. And I mean, there are a lot of very smart people working on it, but we are still years away 
from any kind of computer being able to match visual patterns as well as a human does. And I mean, that's, that's not a huge problem in itself, except for when you put a computer in charge of one of these vehicles, then the computer is basically, uh, I mean, it's like Darren O you've got half of an eye driving this thing. And also your computer is distracted. Uh, that's what we want to keep us from driving into people. You know, it might actually be because distracted driving is really a thing. Yeah, well, it is. And I like the technology when it comes down to assisting a driver. I'm not really with this self-driving stuff because we know it's not ready for prime time yet. We know there are still going to be problems. You know, again, unless you're in a closed course where you can really control a certain amount of things or only, you know, some shuttles and stuff that are going back and forth between two different locations and, and which are basically doing the same you know, circle yeah. over and over again. We actually, I, get, I mean, if, taking- if, if you want to take that route there, there's actually a very, very effective method that we've had for almost 200 years for a Trains. vehicle. Yeah. Put it on tracks, <laughs> put it on tracks. And now you've taken all of the decisions out about where to go. And then your only question is, is something on the tracks? And for the most part, you know, freight trains, they don't care because, you know, if something's on the tracks, it's fucking getting hit. Freight train don't give a fuck. <laughs> exactly. Also, freight. Yeah, I heard. Again, I heard. This, I heard one of them blowing earlier, and I had to wonder because we're in a in a quiet zone now, mm-hmm. so you're, they're not supposed to blow the horn. So anytime I hear the horn around here, I'm wondering: Did somebody try to beat the train? Do they so, go through? Because so every when you yeah, hear a, every time you hear a horn, it's either somebody trying to dance with death, or it's a train operator getting a thirty thousand dollar fine. Right. Which I mean, hey, could be his last day. Maybe he's pissed. Who knows? But I like. The technology which will monitor in one way, shape, or form the driver, and if they think you're nodding off, play an alarm. If you're drifting out of your lane, play an alarm. If you know using the radar, what they're doing now, if you're getting too close to another vehicle, alert you, and that makes everything quite a bit safer. Once you turn it all over to the car, I mean, everybody has a computer that's blue screened. Everybody has had a cell phone that froze. You know, all these things that you have to ask yourself, they're minor inconveniences when it happens to your Internet of Things devices, your phone, your tablet, your refrigerator. Who cares what it is? Your ring doorbell. If that glitches, if that has a software problem, if that is a hardware issue, no yeah. big deal. Or uh, you turn it <laughs> off and on again. When you're going 80 miles an hour down an expressway, you don't have that option. And then as long as we're talking about classic software issues that reduce your, your, or take away your ability to use your device, let me rant about updates for a moment. Uh, you know, the, the big company that does electric cars and, uh, they are, is Tesla. Tesla is a Silicon Valley company. Uh, it was started by a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. Um, it is. They all have a business culture and uh, a technology level that is they were very good at creating Silicon Valley gadgets. And we all know that, you know, your phone, your tablet, you, we, Silicon Valley gadgets are really, really cool. And they have about a 95% availability time. The other time they're taking updates or they're just crashing or the battery's gone dead. Um, 95% is perfectly fine for most people's phone or tablet or, or Kindle or, or, you know, reading book. The things that you're like, eh, okay, if it doesn't work, I just put it down and walk away. But if 
if your car locks up on the freeway, you, you don't walk away from that. And it's, to be honest, that's probably my biggest problem with any of these self-driving electric cars is that I understand technology. I get the the testing tolerances that come out of Silicon Valley. They're like, yeah, we'll just hit about the 95. It works 95% of the time. That's right. 19 and 20 tests passed. Okay, ship it. And that's perfectly fine when you can update the moment, you know, when you're like, oh, well, this actually is killing people. Let's go ahead and patch an update. Um, your, your juice machine doesn't kill people. Your car will. 95% <laughs> is not good enough. And that is the scary thing about this. Uh, there was uh, an article in San Francisco where uh, there were people being very, very vocal that the Waymo self-driving cars should not be allowed in their neighborhood. And nimbyism is a pretty common thing. It happens everywhere. But what was noticeable about these is that these were not, you know, some trucker or garbage man saying, oh, I don't trust those things. These were Silicon Valley engineers saying, yeah, I know what this technology does. I know what this is like. I don't want this shit near my kids. That right. is someone we should listen project to. And I don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, 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 you know, as a, a having spent 15 years as a tester at a very large computer company, I know what the standards are. Uh, a, a very large computer company that fired all their testers right before Windows 10, but whatever. Uh, you know, the, the, the way that Silicon Valley makes software is we, we make a best effort and, and 19 out of 20 is fine. And then the users will be the testers after the rest of it. And yeah, the users can be the testers. If you're doing something that when it fails, you just, you get people to grumble and send angry tweets. Uh, when, well, and let's, for, let's forget about the fact even that it can fail and kill somebody. Some of these vehicles now do not have door handles. That's the awesome. only way to get into the vehicle is through your fob, yeah. your little you know key device that you would press, you know, unlock the door, open the door, or through a cell phone app. Which was so, great when the battery dies. Yeah. So how do you get into your car? You don't. Yeah. You, how don't do you get into your I mean, car? For your convenience. You, you, you call up the company and get them to send out a tech with a portable battery pack that can eat just enough juice in to operate the fucking door handle so you can get in and tow the car away. That That is actually right. what and, happens. And, and to make it completely not an ad for that Helm device, I, I do want to point out one other thing. You can't log into it. You have to use an Android or an iOS app to maintain the device. So I'm sure you would do that. Um, yes, because, uh, it absolutely increases my email security to give myself over to Google or Apple and for my handheld device. Yes. Except not. Yeah. So you see where these things are going for your convenience, your doors won't open with a handle because I mean, those handles are so, didn't you ever just see a really cool car going down the street and you were like, you know, if it just didn't have those door handles, that thing would be really cool. Well, again, as a software tester. For 15 years, I have been trained to look at any technology and think about not only, you know, that would be really cool to use, but also how can it fail? I can't, I can't look at something, you know, it's, you can say this is part of my curmudgeon attitude. Although frankly, I was a, I was a grumpy old man way before I started in testing, but I look at this and I think, okay, how is that door handle going to work when something fails? Well, now you don't have a door. Okay. 
you know, if, if you, well, are, you just can't get into your car, yeah, if, if you're a, a developer or a, a designer or a tech enthusiast, uh, oh, you, you look at that and be like, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I don't even have to, I don't even have to walk up to the thing to open it. I just hit my key fob and everything works. And I'm sitting here going, that is a nightmare of things that could completely break and fuck you. Well, and knowing Silicon Valley, the way he does Fletcher in the chat room makes a really good point that no handles thing, not being able to get into your car. That's so we could have like that Chinese social score things. You've been a bad boy. You posted something bad on social media. You don't get to drive your car this week. Well, they don't need the door handles for that, because even if they let you into the car, uh, Tesla in particular has total control over whether or not you can do shit. When you start up your car, it phones home to the mothership and says, is this person allowed to use their car today? And I, I mean, yeah, the the big thing, uh, software updates. Uh, there are pictures that go around from Tesla that say, uh, "Unable to start car. You need to take an update." Well, fuck you. If I wanted that, I'd put Windows Ten on my fucking Buick. No. How about well, it's my car? Tesla's Make running. it available to me. Aren't uh, aren't the uh, Teslas on Windows Vista? They, I don't know. God, I hope not. <laughs> I, Holy shit, that the, it's. <laughs> Talk about crashing. <laughs> the, the, well, the funny thing was, I saw an article the other day. Do you know what the biggest threat to automated vehicle safety are? Updates. You know what the biggest threat is? Updates. You know? No. That's my no. guess. Bugs. Bugs hitting the sensors. Yeah. Insects. Or, or insects. Or again, can cause your car to crash. Again, the kind of thing I think about where I live. Um, what if, uh, somehow water got on the sensors which tends to happen when you drive it somewhere that it's constantly raining or uh if that water comes up from the roadway and has dirt we don't even need bugs there's mud (laughs) yeah you have mud but you know some of those bugs you've hit them your windshield you see the big splat and those i mean water and most mud you could run a windshield wiper and it'll take them right off some of them bugs you hit right in the correct spot and take a sensor out could get bad readings. So these are the kind of things or, that, or if you want to talk about taking a sensor out, how about gravel? We should eat all the bugs. You're absolutely right. Fletcher. If we ate all the bugs, I'm not e- then they I'm sorry, be hitting- Fletcher. I'm not eating the gravel that's kicked up <laughs> off the road though. I mean, that it, that's a anything, anything that can put a fucking hole in your windshield uh, is not going to do well for a sensor. You know, so I mean, I get the point, multiple sensors, you can say, but you have to look at, all of these things that could possibly fail and then ask yourself again are you the one that wants to be in a vehicle traveling at highway speeds allowing the device to make all of your decisions for you and even having those devices even if you're driving them you're not really safe because again as you pointed out they're all the fly-by-wire stuff which means a lot of these vehicles for your protection of course are going to go into a mode that's going to take control away from you if it if it, the yeah. right circumstances come and, up. And if I may be and, paranoid uh, for a bit, uh, who owns the car again? Uh, who controls the car? Well, you, they may say that you're the owner, but if somebody else has the ability to take your control away from your car, it's not your car. And when I say somebody else, I mean the company who made it or the or law enforcement or anybody else in the government or if you happen to be a whistleblower and you're being persecuted because you know 
if 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 the technology exists for somebody else to disable your vehicle, it's not your fucking vehicle. And I don't think I've done anything to make me a target for that. But you know what? I'm going to go and go ahead and run a car that can't be remotely disabled. That's just creepy. I mean, the good old days. Yeah. When you had to fake a heart attack. Back, not back when, when you could drive somebody's back when car when remotely off a disabling a car meant putting a spike strip across the road. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know, that's all for law enforcement. That'll be the next thing. If it's not already in these devices, in these cars that, oh, we, we need the off switch, of course. So if it's stolen or if somebody's involved in a high speed chase, we could just turn their vehicle off. And again, none of that stuff would ever get hacked. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely sympathetic to law enforcement who always make the argument, you know, but bad guys might use this technology. Yes, but bad guys are not the only ones who use the technology and law enforcement is not infallible. Uh, in fact, it's made up of humans and uh, well, most humans are good people and most law enforcement, in fact, almost all of the ones that I have had the fortune of meeting have been decent human beings who were just doing their job. And I thank them for their service to the public, despite the corrupt system they're serving. But some people are bad. And if you run into that bad law enforcement person who's just sitting on the side of the road with his dick in his hand and looking out at the freeway going, I wonder if I can cause a wreck and just hits a fucking button and suddenly <laughs> disables the left front tire on one vehicle. Like, hey, let's see. You know, I, I get overtime if I have to clean up a 60 car pile up right here. It could happen. <laughs> They're people. Some people are fucking dickheads. It a cops are not excluded from that rule well and it could be anybody i mean let's be honest you gotta yeah, you, you could see the expressway from where you are you know it's a uh it could be the, these drones you know put those just fly one over and send the right signal and uh this automated stuff is going to a point to where we may be past the point of no return already on this kind of stuff and as we said electric vehicles or at their base really good ideas if the batteries are safe last long enough to get yeah. you where you're going and what you, you know whatever you need to do with your vehicle we like the concept of the self-driving assist not full self-driving you know letting you know if there's something going wrong to alert you to it but those computers are still a long way off from being safe but we're already at the point even those who don't have self-driving cars yeah, and this is something we had talked about before with the GPS. And oh. there was an art, there was an article the other day again. I'm, you with, know, like I'm with Dvorak Michael, on this one. Sorry. Yeah, which is it's a scam. It's a scam. <laughs> <You don't wanna. laughs> no, it's, no it's, GPS isn't real. No, it's not a scam. But people are people are fucking up their minds uh, by becoming addicted to these things. The ability to navigate without GPS is becoming a lost art. Yes, which is really weird. I mean, in the, in the good old days when we was kids. I mean, if you wanted to disorient somebody, you would, uh, you know, put a blindfold on them and drive them in the middle of somewhere and be like, okay, where are you? Uh, now it's, you could, you could, they could be looking, well, they're never looking out the window. They're looking at their phones. Yeah. You could drive them somewhere. They're, and if they didn't have GPS. It's very, very important <laughs> while sitting at a red light that you absolutely must choose the perfect Insta filter in order to put on the selfie you just took with the person in the car behind you. That's way more important than watching out for what's going on on the road. That is vital. And I've seen people, including By one the way, of the that guys. That was sarcasm from, if anyone missed it. Yeah, I always miss your sarcasm. I, I always assume that you're always being sarcastic unless you point out that you're not. But 
I have seen people that do, including one of the guys from Impractical Jokers that does live video while driving their car. And it really just, uh, it pisses me off. There's a lot of videos of people driving. Yeah. And, and yeah, okay. They mount their, they mount their phone to the dashboard. So at least they're not holding the stupid thing. I mean, there are some where the, there's the, the arm going out of frame. Uh, yeah, that's even but, but even when they mount the phone, it's like the, the amount of time you see they're driving, you see the steering wheel moving, you see things flashing in the background. They're clearly driving their car and the amount of time they take with their eyes locked on the camera. It's like, I hope you're not in my city. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've seen, I mean, even women putting on makeup while doing these videos. And it's like, well, are you seriously that, that shit happened doing before this? there were phones? Well, that's I true. They that just when, weren't looking at when the I was phone learning to drive and, and I'm sitting in the car with the driving instructor. So this is like what 19, you were trying to put your makeup on something. No, no, we uh, the driving instructor, you know, it, the, <coughs> it was one of those custom driving cars. You ever you ever been in the one which has the brake on the passenger side too? those yes. things are awesome. I've, I've been in a passenger, <laughs> a lot of vehicles where I fucking wanted one of those. But I'm like. You know, freaking out, trying to get everything perfect, doing everything to the letter. I get a green light. I pull out. I start to go. And suddenly my entire head whips around because the instructor slammed on the brake. And I see some chick go through a red light with a big makeup kit in one hand and the little mascara one in the other hand. No hands on the wheel, not even looking at the wheel, staring at the little mirror, running a red light. And I'm like that wasn't my fault was it <laughs> <laughs> but see now those are the people that people that want these self-driving cars are pointing at going see this is why cars should drive and not people and i will absolutely allow that even given the terrible state the the captcha driven state of today's self-driving cars it's probably a better driver than that bitch however <laughs> not everybody's like that some people even pay attention to it there's there's just some concerns that I think need to be addressed. Yeah. And you have to be responsible. I mean, I'm all for making things like using your cell phone while driving the same thing as drinking and driving. I mean, that really should be, there should not be that much of a difference between the two of those things. Cause you're distracted one way or the other. And it's both are equally dangerous your mind isn't on what's going on. You don't have the facilities to make decisions if something comes up and happens. And there's way too many accidents that are caused now by people that are dealing with their cell phones while they're driving. There was a case not too long ago where a guy, a truck driver, killed a bunch of people, caused an accident because, you know, he had his phone or tablet, whatever it was on his dashboard, and he was watching porn while driving. This is something. We never really imagined going back as kids that you'd have the ability to watch porn while you're driving your vehicle in traffic. And I don't know how you get to the point where you make that decision that that is the correct thing to do where you go, you know, this is going to be my day to day. I'm a truck driver. I'm out there. I'm going to watch porn while I'm navigating through city streets. I don't get it. And I think that there should be huge penalties for people that cause accidents. That's not hard to figure out anymore. I mean, we're all completely on the grid, so it's not hard if there's an accident to figure out, oh, well, this guy was on his cell phone 
while this happened. He was, you know, looking something up, watching a video, whatever it was. And it's become a huge problem, you know, right up there with drunken driving. But, you know, if it's for the children, Ryan, I mean, I don't know. Nobody's marching on distracted driving. I mean, it kills way more people than gun violence. No, I noticed the other day there was a meme. Somebody said, oh, you know, everybody's been trying to get all this Ukraine evidence on uh, Donald Trump. Guess what happened at the same time? All the mass shootings stop. It's amazing how that kind of stuff happens. Well, you know, a mass shooting is just what the media makes of it. Somebody, you know, pulls out a BB gun and shoots at a couple targets like, holy fuck, there were kids within three blocks. This was a mass shooting. Yeah. Yeah. That is the media that we have. But the distracted driving thing. I mean, GPS was supposed to help that in a little bit of a way, because back in the day, I mean, let's be honest about it. Back in the day, if you didn't know where you were going and you tried to do something by map or directions, you were kind of looking down, trying to read the directions. You're trying to watch it on a map. So well, GPS, maybe, maybe you were. <laughs> you just kept going until you stopped. And well, no, whether- no, I, I actually uh, I have. I have a uh, visual memory, which means that uh, before I go on a trip, I actually will stare at a map to familiarize myself with everything around, including all of the streets near where I need to go, just so that if I make a wrong turn, I understand not everybody can do that. But here's the thing. If if there's a map or a thing that I need to look at a map and I haven't stared at it, I do. This is going to be weird. And it's just one of the ways that Sir Bemrose is just a little bit of an unbalanced individual. But if I need to take my eyes off the road to stare at uh, back in the day, a map or nowadays to pull up a, a map app on my phone or something. You know what I do? I pull you off the stop. side of the fucking road. I no, but then you, you're impeding yourself. I you're impeding your progress. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know what else impedes my progress? A fucking wreck. <laughs> Ramming Dying into, in a fiery wreck. That, that definitely will affect your immediate future plans. Sir Bemrose is going to be late. Yes. yes. Fletcher, who, who used to be an OTR driver. Have your- uh, he said the company that he used to work for has a burned truck and trailer on display at their location. Driver was FaceTiming with his girlfriend when he caused the wreck. It, so these are yeah, the kind of technologies. Exactly. And people do that. And those people probably deserve to have wrecks. But I don't want to be the other car. And that's the problem. The other car is chosen at random and the other car might be somebody who doesn't deserve it. So I'm not sure this system is quite right. Right. And with GPS, you're supposed to add in the human computer factor again, which says if it's directing you to go into a raging river, floodwaters, something like that, you know, a bridge that's currently out don't (laughs) but that's that's the problem with with people who use gps to navigate everywhere is that uh you know not only is the human brain really good pattern matching but it's also really good at getting into a habit and then following that habit to the letter and changing habits is hard uh so if your habit is i just turn exactly where this thing says and then i don't put any more thought into it because i really have to come up with the next zinger on twitter or something uh then you're not going to change that habit suddenly just because of something silly like a bridge being out or it uh, directing you down a boat ramp yeah you gotta listen to the voice it told you what to do you gotta do it and i mean gps again can be a very helpful thing as an assistant for a human driver and and there's there's another oh i'm sorry no but i was gonna say this again goes down the whole same line to the self-driving cars which is don't expect them to be infallible quite yet 
or ever. And there's there's another problem. I mean, I, whether or not this is a problem, I guess, depends on your your point of view. But with uh, it, it certainly made news stories with the GPS people using it is, uh, you know, it's not just think places where GPS sends people down the wrong road or, you know, we've all seen the the stories where it sends somebody into the ocean or, or down a boat ramp, you know, down boat ramps. I don't know why, but that like, why do you even put a boat ramp on GPS? Unless you think that this is installed in a, in an amphibious vehicle, why would that even be on the map? But there's the places where it gets it wrong. And then there's the places where it gets it wrong for certain people, even if it's technically correct. Um, What I'm speaking of is uh, there was a story in a, uh, New Jersey suburb about 12 months ago, uh, where there was, it was like, there was a secret route to get to the, whatever bridge it is that goes from Manhattan to New Jersey to get to that bridge that bypassed a lot of the traffic, which went right through this residential neighborhood. And, <laughs> uh, nobody knew about it because it was convoluted and really poorly marked. And you had to like turn down something that basically looked like a private driveway. But if you took it, it would put you on the bridge past almost all the traffic. So there were a few people who really understood who took it, but, the neighbors would randomly do things like put up roadblocks and things in the route just to try to keep people from taking this route. And suddenly the entire city started getting overwhelmed when GPS suddenly discovered the route and started sending thousands of people down this little (laughs) residential neighborhood street. And, you know, if you're a city planner, you know, the, the optimal use of a traffic grid is to fill up all streets to capacity so that the most traffic can get through. But if you're a NIMBY resident, you don't fucking want all of rush hour to be driving over your kids inches from your front door. I mean, you probably right. don't want Which anyone is, driving over your brings- kids, but, you know, won't somebody think, <laughs> please think of the children? Yeah, it depends on your kids. Yeah, but. With that said, then that brings up the technology, which is the hybrid of GPS and social media kind of with Waze, the program. And I'm sure there's other programs that do similar things, but they harness what other people are experiencing around you and they route you if they find traffic jams and stuff like that. And that is another case, kind of the same thing that you were talking about where which, all of a sudden, which is actually valuable. It's, it's valuable information. Yes. Um, I mean, I. I used to listen. I, I used to suffer through news talk radio on the radio while I was commuting on like AM station because every 10 minutes they gave a traffic report. And that meant when I was commuting, I'd have at least a clue if there was a massive traffic jam 10 miles ahead of me, I could reroute. That's very valuable information. Well, okay, it's valuable information to whoever is navigating. And when I'm navigating manually, which I do, it's really important to know where the traffic jams are. So are you a part of that Waze ecosystem or is that a big privacy concern? Uh, It is a huge privacy concern. (laughs) I mean, but you get all those by default data by default. If it requires a login, Sir Bemrose probably is skeptical. (laughs) I can see that, Uh, but you can see where people would like this. And again, this is another case of not having to think which cell phones i think have done this anyway i mean i would we remember again a time and a place where you would have arguments with friends about what was 
a song lyric or who had this sports um, you know, who was the leader in whatever category I, I've actually had arguments, I've had arguments with the song artists about what their lyric was. Turned out Did I, you I win those. No, I lost that one, <laughs> but I made a valiant but attempt now. Well, that's good. Well, every, now everybody has the cell phone in their pocket to where you just go and look these things up. So I'm always kind of curious. There's been obviously no really long-term study done or anything yet, but I really wonder what this is doing to the human mind and how it's changing the wiring. And if we're really much better off with this technology or if it's causing massive amounts of harm, because people don't even have to think, even if you're going to work on a daily basis and you're driving 40 miles, whatever it is, so many people now, because of, you know, the waysness, because of, Oh, I want to monitor the traffic and everything else. Just listen to that thing. Tell them, where to go and you have to wonder even though you maybe have driven the same route you know 10 20 100 a thousand times i think a lot of people get to the point to where if you take that little device away and say okay now go get there on your own i mean it's depending how many turns and everything obviously if you're just hopping on an expressway and getting off and it's right off the expressway you could probably figure it out but for more now, complex you, you give routes, people more credit than i do these days <laughs> way more maybe um but you really wonder and what that's doing to the human mind overall. I mean, it's nice to have all this data. It's nice uh, to be told exactly where to go. But I really do think in a lot of ways, it's it's dangerous for not using. I mean, that was something that was built into our DNA. You know, the a lot of people and I'm not one of them, but there's people that, you know, can tell you kind of what direction very, you know, instantaneously. Oh, well, that's north, south, east or west. If you know, it's easy if you know where you are and if, the, you know, the streets are north, south or the streets are east, west, you can tell that pretty easily. But there's people that just kind of have that built in. If you're hiking or something like that, I'm not one of those people, but I think that this technology is going to make that worse. I, I, I'm not completely sold that uh, navigating uh, a fast moving large chunk of steel down a grid of paved streets is necessarily in our DNA. But what is in our DNA is uh, critical thinking and the ability to make a decision based on information that you're presented to decide what is best for you. And I think that at least in terms of, of what you do behind the wheel, uh, you know, the, the GPS addiction devices, the, the automatic route navigation, it's it's the foot in the door for automatic driving. And I think that it, it, you, the one thing I'll concede is you are absolutely correct that as soon as you shut off your critical thinking center for trying to drive and operate a motor vehicle, you really shouldn't be on the road. You are worse off. And if, if we think that the, constant gps telling you which direction to go is a good idea then we need to go full self-driving because uh the biggest hazard on the road is people who are in control of a motor vehicle and not paying attention to it and this is i mean this is the problem with uh any kind of of distracted cell phone driving this is why i keep harping on uh you know people whether you're whether you're using your Instagram account to p- 
post selfies or you're just putting on your makeup or you're picking your nose hair in the rearview mirror. If you're not paying attention to what's going on outside the car, you need to not be in control of that car. And being forced to navigate, being forced to decide what routes you're taking puts your brain on the outside world in a way that having a device inside your car shout directions to you can't. So I guess the question is, do we want our society to be moving to a place where humans are no longer the ones in control of cars? Uh, you know, that is the end game for self-driving cars, by the way, is that uh, humans, if, if self-driving cars get good enough, humans won't be allowed to drive. And I, I mean, like there will be legislation that says you will not be able to, there will be cars that come up where uh, both front seats are passenger seats. Um, you maybe that's better and maybe in a distant future where cars are actually good enough that they can recognize a stop sign without requiring everybody who wants to log into facebook to first click on or you know six pictures of stop signs maybe we get there uh i don't think we're there yet and i think that that we're definitely being made worse off by taking driver's attention away oh there's no doubt about it I read the other day that red lights being run are way, way, way up over the last few years. And you can do a pretty simple connecting the dots to figure out why with the distracted driving. There's no doubt about it that people are looking at their phones, they're talking on the phone, they're texting, they're doing all sorts of different things, but they're not paying any attention to the fact that they're coming up to a red light. And they're just blowing through. Like you said, with your driving instructor, you have to be so vigilant now because things that you just, you know, you're sitting at a red light and the light turns green and you wait a second before you hit the gas. You figure you're safe. You figure nobody's going to come barreling through because it was such a rarity in the past. Yeah. And nowadays, now it no longer yeah, is. Nowadays in a lot of cities and, and this is a city thing, but a lot of places when you know, the procedure is not wait for the light to turn green and then go. The procedure is wait for the light to turn green. Now wait for cross traffic to stop. Now you can go. Right. And now here's another question for you, Mr. Tech dude with the hackers and the people that want to create mayhem. If these cars that are doing the self-driving thing, they're looking ahead and they can tell what the stoplights are. What happens when somebody hacks it and turns all the lights green on all oh, on we have, both sides? We haven't even, we, we have been discussing all of the ways that this technology can uh, accidentally screw up your life. We haven't even started to talk about what happens when somebody maliciously does because the state, you're right. You're right. The state of computer security today, there will be hackers. If you have an electronic system connected to the world, your electronic system is connected to you know, either some joker on the side of the road who's like, hey, I want to just see if I can cause a wreck and to some corporate stooge who is thinking, you know, this guy is uh, has has missed a payment on this car. So uh, we're going to just shut it down remote. Yeah, I there are so many ways that somebody that you don't trust, somebody who has it in for you, you know, what can a hacker do? Lots of things. They can make your car accelerate out of control. They can, uh, you know, the probably the most benign thing they can do is just kill it on the side of the road or in the lane because that kill it wherever it is. Uh, you know, what if 
you don't even need a self-driving well, I'm car. Just thinking. What, what if a hacker changes yeah, just, the stoplights on you? Yeah. And, and you know, the all green thing, maybe you cause an accident, maybe they avoid, which is fine. But I'm just wondering with these cars, like you say, you're going to get to the point that humans can't even override them. Cars are in control. Humans are idiots. Somebody hacks in the city of Chicago of that size, or it doesn't even matter how big the city, yeah. but the bigger, the better. Or, or some turns all stoplights to red. Some, some vehicles just go, well, I can't move. Well, I, 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 yeah. I mean, if, if you don't have override control and maybe that's it, maybe Everybody's just sitting there, maybe there's that a point in the distant future where human control is taken away completely, but we cannot reach that point until, you know, that people will talk about the, that the technology needs to get good enough to be able to recognize this, recognize this. Well, there are so many things that we have just learned to deal with and we learn to deal with as a part of learning to drive that computers can't handle. And before we can get to the point where we take away human control, the technology needs to figure out, resolve and become reliable in about a hundred thousand edge cases that it just doesn't handle well today. You know, it's why uh, everywhere that self-driving or that, yeah, this, that auto driving cars are available or can be used or are being tested, you know, Arizona, California, wherever they are, all of them still require there to be a human driver in the driver's seat who can take over at a moment's notice. Well, that's not really self-driving because you're still engaging that human's attention. It's just more difficult because now you're lulling that human into not having to pay attention, which means that they might not take over at the point where the software fails. And and the and hence they go under a truck and, and taste their own and blood. And the better the software goes, the more the less often that humans have to take over and the less prepared they're going to be when they need to. I think the safest yes. cars are the ones that are being driven by somebody who's putting their full attention outside the car. Unfortunately, of course people that's will really make hard the to point prescribe that pilots don't do much on jumbo jets anymore. They just are all computerized. They fly themselves. So why shouldn't cars be the same way? Because there's a lot more cars on the road than there are pilots. Uh, if, if you're, if you've planned your route correctly, you can fly a jumbo jet all the way around the world and never cross the path of another jet. That's what flight controllers are for. They're like, you fly at this altitude, you fly at this altitude, uh, and you go this speed and you go this speed so that even where your paths cross, you won't be there at the same time. We're good. You can do that when there's a few hundred total planes in the air over your city at any given time or, or your region or your, uh, you can't do that when there's a few hundred thousand or 10 million cars. There is, right. there aren't even computers that can plot that out correctly. Right. And what happens, this is just kind of pointing this out due to the ludicrousness of the, the concept, because what happens when air traffic control goes down? Uh, the, the, planes, <laughs> the planes are all grounded. They're not allowed to take off. Yeah. The ones in the air are told, you know, proceed to your destination as per the prearranged plan or divert. They, they don't let people fly. And frankly, no, that's exactly like, the look same. Out the window really carefully. If, if you, <laughs> there might be more planes. Yeah. And if you have central control of if there's there's two ways that automatic that self-driving automatic grid of cars like if you get to a point where all cars are working automatically there's two ways you can do that one is the air traffic control model where there's some central computer and you think that a power outage is disruptive now now suddenly everybody's transportation quits that's that's concerning 
Uh, the other, and I don't know if this is better, is to have the software in every car make decisions the same way drivers do. And then you've got exactly the same problem that you have now, which is what happens when somebody programs one of these cars to pull a Charlottesville and drive into a crowd. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I watched a, an old episode of The Equalizer, if you remember that show from back in the 80s, and it revolved around a rich guy having one of these GPS devices in his car that was reprogrammed to send them to the wrong area so somebody could shoot them. They thought they were going one place. Yeah. Oh, what, 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 where are we? Boom, dead. But that is so much a part of reality today that something like that could happen. Oh, that's easy to scary. do. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, all you have to do is install and the wrong app. That's true. And you will have an owned device. That was your don't fact, install apps on your phone, says Sir Bemrose. Really don't install apps on your car. Yeah. Oh, no, not, not as long as the, the car is all the same thing. You know, if if my car has an in-dash entertainment system, that's a completely separate thing that doesn't have any connection to the drive system maybe i'll be looking at installing apps i'm like you know what if this thing manages to fuck up the screen in front of me i just turn it off and drive to my place no do not install any third-party apps on anything that controls whether or not you live or die and in the chat room john fletcher of the hog story show hogstory.net he has the right simple solution yes yeah the simple solution for all human problems kill all humans well that isn't that what i brought up on grumpy old ben's number one where i said that <laughs> every human utopia works perfectly correctly and is a beautiful wonderful place that anyone would want to live right up until you add humans because as soon as you put humans in all of the human problems come in and you've just fucked up your utopia congratulations your shit ain't working and i'm guessing you don't have the new amazon puck for cars in your vehicles i didn't know there was a new amazon puck for cars but puck no i would not install that <laughs> it and it will do the gps for you so then amazon knows no. exactly where you're going but it'll play your music you, it'll be very convenient you lost me at amazon <laughs> <laughs> i amazon, trust them to i, I trust them to deliver Google. cat food to my door that's that's about as far as i go these days <laughs> But have you trained the cat yet to be able to reorder the cat food? You know, that's a good idea, except no, no actually, no, yeah. there's cats are inherently evil creatures. And if I trained the cat to be able to do anything with my computer or my phone, it, uh, it would be catastrophic. Catastrophic. Oh, I see what you did there. Would, this yes, is the kind a, of cleverness. Catastrophe. The, Sir Chris. Sir Chris, uh, who said we were neither as clever as charming as we thought we are obviously never heard that kind of humor from you a catastrophe a, a catastrophe yeah. actually is is the phrase look it up ryan at grumpy if you like that joke he will he'd be happy to send you I'll more Just email him asking for cat jokes <laughs> uh, hey, but i think I got, that covers I got a ton everything of jokes. we kind of wanted to talk i got a ton of jokes right? i'll be here all week which means that if you don't like my humor you probably ought to just leave <laughs> that's true but we ex we would like you to stick around we hope you've been enjoying these shows is there anything else we need to cover that we missed here on uh, the vehicle episode well if i want to quickly go down my notes uh let's see how about uh the rare earth metals uh in used in the batteries of electric cars uh you know not not only do they have an environmental impact but the number one supplier of rare earth metals in the world is china 
which means that if you buy an electric car, you are indirectly handing over our economic sovereignty to China. Um, well, the NBA is having that. They're taking care of all the China stuff, uh, just wiping it right under. I mean, it's a consideration. Uh, let's see. I didn't bring up the trolley problem with regards to self-driving cars. Do you want to, do you remember what that is? No. What's the trolley problem? Uh, the, the trolley problem, and, and I'm probably going to butcher the scenario, but the, uh, it, it is a hypothetical situation that you ask uh, the, the situation is you are talking about how do you program a car or how do you program in, in this case, uh, a trolley. Um, and the, the problem is basically there is a, uh, you know, a, a small child playing on the trolley tracks. Do you program it to run over the child? Or do you program it to derail itself and potentially run into a crowd of 10 people? And the Well, if those are the only two choices, I don't well, think either it, one. It's usually really. presented as a false dichotomy. And I'm not convinced that I like right. the, I don't like the trolley problem because, first of all, there's no programmer anywhere who's going to put in a line of code that says, you know, if child, then run over 10 people. Uh, right. Well, that's, you know, even the self-driving cars overall, that is the. That is the question that do you want this to be turned over to the AI rather than, you know, obviously if the, if it's doing all the driving, human control is gone. You don't have to be a trolley. You don't have yeah. to be on tracks. The point is in front of your car, you know, you don't have enough time to stop. I mean, yeah. the, basically it, it, the math, it, the problem you're giving it is you don't have time to stop. You are either going to hit a tree which is a really big, big tree. Let's say we're somewhere by you, big, big tree. Uh, you may hit a tree at such a miles per hour that you're probably going to be dead. The driver is probably going to be dead. Uh, you're either going to hit the tree or you're going to hit the child in the road, which the child's going to be splattered, but you and everybody in your car exactly. are spared. Who do you want making that choice? And, and, I guess is the question. And that's, that is really the gist of the problem is who do you want making the instantaneous life or death decisions by the car? And if you are, you know, it, from a, from a purely capitalist perspective, the owner of the car should be the one making the decision, but you can't really program that because uh, some people might be, you know, uh, let's, let's hypothetically say you're going to either drive into a crowded market or you're going to hit a tree and kill yourself. Uh, and if you are the owner of the car, you'll make that snap decision for yourself. Uh, if you are driving a car programmed by someone else, the, the question is always, what do you program the car to do? And, uh, you know, I tell you what, if, if I am the owner, then from a purely utilitarian perspective, and this may or may not make me a bad person, I want to live, <laughs> but, uh, the car will do what is best for all but mankind. Yeah, if, of if the car is programmed to say, "Well, only one person dies if I kill my owner, and it, and a hundred people die if I save my owner," you know, first of all, no programmer will ever write that line of code. But if the car is programmed to do that, then there's also the question of who's going to buy this car? <laughs> You've <laughs> no got a car that is now programmed gonna. to kill you. <laughs> Do you want well, of that? Of course, unless the car, right. Or, I mean, or do you believe if, maybe the car is going to become self-aware? If I'm going to sacrifice myself to save a hundred people, shouldn't that be my decision and not the decision of somebody in Silicon Valley who's sitting behind a desk? You would think so. But so, what if then the car becomes self-aware? And even though it was programmed to kill the owner and hit the tree, it's like, 
I don't want to die. Well, then we've got a Skynet situation and we're all doomed unless we can locate John Connor. <laughs> yeah, that is true. DC girl, how you doing in the chat room? Says she works for a company that uses some AI in the newer products. And the policy is the machine will never make that decision. Well, the human will, but see, you can't get to that point. If you but, get to but a you car, can't get to a fully auto- full autonomy. If you're, if you have any decisions that you delegate to the human, uh, I, I think that the the real thing is that uh, the trolley problem in general, it is it is a false dichotomy and you are never going to reach a line of code where you have decided to kill one person or kill another. Because if if you ever see that decision in your logic design of your code, you're going to back up a few steps and say, how What's what decisions did we have to make so that we don't get into this situation? That's the correct answer when you're programming the car is you you don't right. get into the problem where you're barreling toward a tree at 90 miles an hour. Maybe <clears throat> maybe you make the decision sooner when you saw the tree up ahead and could get out of the way. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many decisions that have to go wrong before you're in the position of do I kill my owner or do I kill bystanders? So it it's it's clearly a false dichotomy, but at the same time, it's an ethical conundrum that uh, gets people thinking. DC, DC girl says maybe humans and fully autonomous devices shouldn't interface. And that is true. That I be. think when you look at this, when you look at the self-driving car bit, everybody sees again, the utopia. We don't even have to pay attention. We can watch TV on our way to work. We can have a snack. We can put on our makeup, whatever it is. but. If you then look at that very real question of who do you want to make the decision between A and B, hitting the tree or hitting a child, if you never want the machine to make that decision, then you shouldn't have self-driving cars. That is the only answer that makes sense. it's, It's all about the details. Every time that somebody comes up with something that looks too good to be true, then the moment you zoom in and focus on the details, then... It, you know well you know this is why it actually you know this won't work out or or you know as soon as you know just you know, fuck up your utopia just add humans yeah i mean i've been how many years is it we've been told that we're gonna have flying cars well that never it's, happened it's it's 2019 where's my flying car yo we're we're now four years past the the future year from the back to the future movie from the 80s and we don't have flying cars and i don't have you know, I don't have boots that self lace and or a jacket that dries itself. Now, hover skateboard. You know, oh, don't have one of those. Well, those sort of exist and they are uh, dangerous as shit. <laughs> Which again, and that, that technology and that's, that's is really, not always you know, pretty. A lot of people are like, where's my flying car? Well, uh, uh, the reason we don't have flying cars is because they're not worth it. They're dangerous as hell. They are really complicated the physics is really difficult to work through uh they're not feasible on a large scale like normal cars uh and um they're they're not the benefits are not so much that it's worth chasing after compared to cars that go on the ground and when your battery dies when you're five thousand feet in the air what do you do uh that is called a system crash (laughs) and then you will crash and then probably somebody on the ground. I mean, that's the other thing with cars on the road every now and then. I mean, you hear one goes really wild and winds up in somebody's house <laughs> flying cars. Well, the, yeah. But the the normal failure mode for a car, because uh, cars, 
our mechanical devices, they fail all the damn time. The normal failure mode for a car is the engine cuts out or something goes haywire and the operator performs an emergency pullover to the side of the road. And then when you're driving by, you see a car on the side of the road. That's how that works with cars. They actually are fairly benign when they fail. There's there's a chance they might go out of control right when they do it, and then they might hit one other car. But both of those cars stay on the ground and might get a little bit wrinkled, but they have crumple zones. Everything works. As soon as your shit is up in the air, uh, you have a great deal of potential energy that when your engine fails becomes transferred into kinetic energy and then becomes transferred into heat energy as you burn to death. Well, and the guy in the ground who's just looking down at his grill, he's got his headphones on, he's listening to grumpy old Benz, he's making a big steak, having a good night. He doesn't see the car coming from above. <laughs> that too. Nobody ever looks up. Technology can be dangerous. Cars could be falling from the sky. And that's why when you get into all this self-driving stuff, it's, uh, I mean, I would like to think we might get to this in our lifetime because again, it would be a really cool thing if it worked and people didn't die because of it. Yeah everything everything we've talked about would be is is cool in a a utopian sci-fi world and would be really cool but uh as as with anything to do with people uh it's in the details you you think about what could go wrong what happens and oh you know here's uh, hey this will be great except for this detail oh this will be nice except for this detail yeah it's in the details uh, and you know, the fundamental thing that I think that we are losing sight of in today's uh, safety driven world where we're able, we're willing to sacrifice a lot of our fundamental freedoms and rights for a little bit of safety is that no matter how much we sacrifice, life is not safe. Shit happens. Deal with it. Amen. And on that note, I think we have wrapped up the whole concept of vehicles and technology, how they go together, how they don't. If you think we're on point here, then feel free to let us know. If you think we just totally missed the point, as uh, some of our producers every now and then, like the letter we read earlier from Sir Dude Name Benonymous, uh, let us know where we're getting this stuff wrong. Darren at Grumpy Old Benz, D A R R E N, Orion at Grumpy Old R Y A N. And of course, you can catch me on the Twitters at Darren O'Neill, D A R R E N O N E I L L. And you can catch both Ryan and myself over on noagendasocial.com. If you need an invite there, feel free to email either one of us and we can send you an invite, join you in on the fun. It's better than Twitter. No doubt about it. You won't be censored, which is a good thing. Any other last comments here before we wrap this thing up? Buy high. Buy high and sell low Bitcoin and anything else. <laughs> and of course, if you... Well, I either either I met at a high price or I meant that you should smoke a bunch of marijuana before you buy. I take the advice however you want. That's the hogstory.net advice is buy high. And if you like what you're hearing here, feel free to go to grumpyoldbenz.com and subscribe on the Apples, on the Androids, on an email basis. So if you don't want to be on one of those phones, it'll email you when a brand new episode drops so you never miss an episode of Grumpy Old Benz. And if you want to be like John Fletcher and Mr. Van Dyke, and Sir Ben Anonymous, then uh, and you want to do a little contribution to the show, value for value. That's the model we work on. Go to grumpyoldbens.com and click that little button that says donate. And we have the QR code now. If you're using Bitcoin, you can just send us some Bitcoin nice and easy technology. It's a beautiful thing. So, yes, until next time.
I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where winter is coming and I don't care. And from America's left coast, where God is in our utopia, but the devil's in the details. I'm Ryan Bemrose.